1: The army isn't lost in a literal sense, but they uh, don't really know for sure where they're going. Washington is taking a back road through a mountain pass, trying to head off General Howe's army, or at least keep up with it. Uh, But he still doesn't know for sure where Howe is going.
0: That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor Gabe Neville, talking about his new article highlighting George Washington's treacherous journey through a little-known mountain pass. And he's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode is brought to you by Henry Holt and Company, publishers of the new book, The British Are Coming, The War for America, Lexington to Princeton, by Rick Atkinson, available now. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. On today's episode, our guest is Journal of the American Revolution contributor, Gabriel Neville. He goes by Gabe in his interview. And in this interview today, we discuss one of the really important and and really understudied aspects of the American Revolution, the war itself, moving troops, most notably understanding the landscape, understanding how to navigate the landscape, in this case highlighting the Clove Road in 1777. One thing we've lost sight of, and again, I'll admit the American Civil War buffs are a little bit better than at, us, uh, at this than we are, uh, is understanding how people moved in the 18th century world, especially here in North America. Uh, we see cities like Boston and Philadelphia uh, and New York, and we feel like people have a pretty good command of the land. But in reality, the mountains... Are treacherous. Uh, The rivers are your only lifeline. And if there is one easy way from point A to point B, uh, either a mountain pass or an Indian trail, or in this case, a road, you have to know where it goes. You have to know how to navigate it. And you know there's only a few options in a military sense uh, for your enemy to move. So the article we featured today, and I encourage you to look it up at www.allthingsliberty.com highlights the Clove Road. Uh, And Washington, again, understands what this is. Uh, We'll see Washington make an error in today's episode uh, in his cat and mouse game, so to speak, with uh, General Howe. But the Clove Road takes center stage. So we learn a little bit about how armies move. We learn a little bit about the importance of taverns as major wayside stops along, along the, the path. Uh, and we learn sort of how these sites are preserved or not preserved here in the 21st century. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Gabe Neville. Gabe Neville, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on, Brady. Tell us about your background.
1: So I uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, I grew up in Chester County, which is uh, southeastern Pennsylvania, a a, uh, very historic area, one of William Penn's three original counties, Uh, lots of Revolutionary War history in that area. We've got the the Brandywine Battlefield, Uh, the Battle of the Clouds was there, not so famous, the Paoli Massacre. Uh, a big chunk of Valley Forge Park is right there, so i I, I grew up surrounded by revolutionary war sites uh, and that, where i the specific place I grew up in, uh, there was a little uh, uh, revolutionary War cemetery up the street. Uh, I think there were twenty one unmarked graves in there that place held a lot of mystery and and meaning for me so I, I, uh, and I also grew up during the bicentennial. I think I was eight, so i that uh, had a big impact on me as a kid. Um, I, uh, went to Franklin and Marshall college, got a degree in government. I'm a, uh, a former journalist, a former congressional staffer. Uh, I'm now a senior advisor at a law firm. Um, and in my free time for the last 20 years, I've been researching the eighth Virginia regiment. Uh, and, uh, one of these days I'll, I'll crank out a book on that topic. Uh, my goal as I write that is to make it very three-dimensional uh, not just to talk about the regiment and military history, but to talk about the men uh, enlisted and commissioned and the places where they lived and fought uh, and retired. Uh, I'm sure it's true for lots of researchers. I, I find myself very interested in lots of sidebars and tangents, uh, little questions and mysteries to explore. And uh, I uh, turn a lot of those sidebars uh, into essays for outlets like uh, the journal. Um, I'll be publishing something on the 8th Virginia specifically, I'm sure, before long, but uh, I've been using the journal mostly to explore uh, bunny trails like Maxwell's Light infantry, uh, Henry Lawrence's view on slavery, and the essay we're talking about today.
0: What first drew your interest into this topic? Well, like I said,
1: I do a lot of research on the 8th Virginia Regiment, and um, I trace their movements. And as they were uh, moving with Washington's army, it becomes clear in July of 1777 that they've come to a a really strange and unfamiliar place. Uh, For one thing, many of them get the name wrong when they record uh, the the location in their letters and diaries. Uh, Washington sleeps one night in a bed with his aides on the floor all around him. Uh, I imagine this to be just a, a log cabin or a small House passing itself off as a tavern. Uh, The the army isn't lost in a literal sense, but they uh, don't really know for sure where they're going. Um, Washington is taking a back road through a mountain pass, trying to head off General Howe's army, or at least keep up with it. Uh, But he still doesn't know for sure where Howe is going. So uh, here Washington is guessing, uh, and as people who've read my essay uh, know, he guesses wrong, Uh, Because the army's movements here are so confused and tentative, uh, the story of these weeks gets glossed over in most histories. But uh, for me, the confusion itself is a good story.
0: Give us a description of the Clove Road in the 18th century.
1: So the Clove Road is a pass uh, through New York's Ramapo Mountains. Uh, If you needed a land route from uh, Northern New Jersey, uh, namely Morristown uh, for Washington up to West Point, uh, New York, or the Hudson Highlands, uh, as they refer to to it then, it it was the way to go. Um, Before the war, it was a rarely used route because the Hudson River itself was a far better way to go for most purposes. Um, So uh, leading up to the war, Uh, the clove road, uh, which goes through the pass uh, is referred to uh, progressively as an Indian path, uh, a horse path, and a very stony and uh, narrow road. And that's an actual sequence. A lot of roads, as I'm sure, you know, developed that way in colonial and and, uh, early national times Uh, in 1777, uh, the year I write about. Uh, the Clove Road was still on the fringes of civilization, really. Uh, the most colorful description we have is actually from a couple of years later. Uh, I have the quote here from uh, a, a quote from Jeremiah Wadsworth, who describes it as, quote, uh, most villainous country, rough, rocky, and a bad climate. Rattlesnakes and robbers are plenty. It was an infringement on the rights of the wild beasts for men ever to enter the clove. It ought to have remained as nature certainly intended for it, uh, for the sole use of snakes, adders, and beasts of prey. It's awfully colorful. Uh, The the robbers he's uh, mentioning here were probably Claudius Smith and the Cowboys, uh, a gang that uh, Charles Dewey had a piece in the journal on a few months ago.
0: Your article begins in the spring of 1777. We see Howe seeking to take his army back to Staten Island. What prompted that change amongst the British ranks?
1: Well, so you know, Howe spent the spring trying to lure Washington out of the Watchung Mountains in New Jersey, uh, but Washington had pertinence was to avoid big set-piece battles. So he, he uh, r- refused a major engagement. Um, Howe wanted to take Philadelphia, uh, but crossing the Delaware uh, while Washington's army was still intact um, was, would be too risky. He, he would have risked too many casualties that way. Uh, at least this is my understanding of what happens in this period. Um, so he, he decides to go by sea, uh, and uh, heads south and up the Chesapeake and then goes overland uh, towards Philadelphia, which gets us to the battle of Brandywine.
0: You mentioned a bit about Washington already. Where was he during this time?
1: Yeah. So uh, after uh, battle of uh, Princeton, uh, the army goes into the winter encampment up uh, around uh, Morristown. Um, his, uh, his headquarters is in Morristown, but soldiers were posted all over uh, the Watchung Mountains in places like uh, Boundbrook, Chatham, Batutchen, and Westfield. And uh, they're still there in the spring. Uh, the British almost captured uh, the outpost at Boundbrook in April and uh, nearly took a whole division, Lord Sterling's division, at the end of June. Uh, that's the Battle of Short Hills. After that, Howe gives up uh, takes his army back to Staten Island.
0: What intelligence did Washington have regarding potential enemy troop movements?
1: Well, so in early July, uh, he learns that Howe's army is starting to board ships. So that's, as I say in my article, that's big news, but not really useful or actionable intelligence. Uh, he, he knows they're leaving, but he doesn't know where they're going, and he needs to um uh, the eighth virginia uh, which i write about was in a very similar situation the year before in 1776 when they were chasing general clinton down the the, uh, the coast uh, to south carolina with charles lee lee complained at that point that uh, ships gave clinton the advantage of having what he called canvas wings with which he could fly from one spot to another uh, this was a huge tactical advantage for the british Um, But at least Lee knew in 1776 that Clinton was headed south. In July of 1777, Washington didn't know if Howe was headed north or south. Uh, Washington said uh, Howe had what he called an amazing advantage that kept him in a state of constant perplexity and the most anxious
0: conjecture. Why does Washington decide to take the clove road and what does he ultimately write about it?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, well, once once House sets uh, sail, he pretty much has to guess where the king's army is headed. Um, Washington does. So from Washington's perspective, it could really have been anywhere between Canada and Florida. Uh, And uh, just think about the logistics of this, right? So wherever Washington goes, he has to march uh, several thousand hungry men with him, maybe for hundreds of miles. And wherever he goes, he's just guessing. And wherever he goes, he might have to turn around and go the other way. Uh, He did have the ability to make an educated guess, though. Uh, There were uh, two main possibilities, of course, each in opposite directions. Uh, How might sail up the Hudson River? Uh, If he was sticking to the plan, this is really what he should have done. Uh, John Burgoyne was headed down from Canada via Lake Champlain. By linking up, they might have controlled the entire Hudson-Champlain Corridor effectively sealing New England off from the rest of the colonies. And uh, this would have isolated the most rebellious colonies and blocked supply routes Washington depended on, especially in Connecticut. Um, the second was an alternate route to Philadelphia. If he wasn't going to cross the Delaware, he could uh, go down and come up uh, uh, the Delaware River, land on the West Bank of the Delaware, somewhere around Chester, Pennsylvania, or maybe Newcastle, Delaware. Um, or he could go further down to the Chesapeake, which of course is what he actually did, and land uh, at the north end of the Chesapeake Bay and approach Philadelphia that way. Um, so news arrives that uh, General Boyne, Burgoyne has taken Fort Ticonderoga, uh, and this uh, seems to indicate that the Hudson Lake Champlain corridor scenario is unfolding. Um, the key strategic point on the Hudson Highlands is what we now call West Point. Um, and uh, if Howe's headed upriver, well, that's where Washington needs to be. So he's still not sure. Uh, he sends one brigade up under Lord Sterling uh, north to uh, Peekskill uh, on the east side of the Hudson and then takes the rest of the army up the Clove Road and camps or up to the Clove Road and camps just outside the south end of it at Suffern's Tavern, and they wait there for confirmation of Hal's movements.
0: In your article, you talk at length about a place called Suffern's Clove. What happens there? So,
1: Suffern's Clove uh, is uh, sort of the south entrance to uh, this longer pass, Um, and it's completely unfamiliar to people. Um, Most of them mispronounce the name of it. They think it's called Sovereign's Clove which is sort of ironic. Uh but re- remember that the lower Hudson is controlled by the British, right? Since uh 1776, the Clove Road is really the only way to move large amounts of men or supplies north or south. Uh the complete pass is known simply as the Clove, but sometimes also as the Ramapo Pass or Smith's Clove and other names. Um, contemporary descriptions of the Clove Road make it sound a little bit like a secret passageway through the mountains, uh, which it sort of was. Uh, the Ramapo River ran through the pass. Uh, there were narrow defiles at the north and south ends, leaving barely enough room for a road. Uh, the south defile was known as Suffron's Clove, as I said, a name associated with Suffron's Tavern, which was right there at the south end. Um, and there were other taverns along the road going north between Suffern and the highlands. Um, a couple like Suffern's was evidently a pretty nice place. Some of them were probably just, uh, log cabins essentially. Um, so the army camps at Suffern's tavern for five days and waits. Washington then receives intel that Howe is headed north and finally takes his army into the clove heading north toward the highlands. Um, they, uh, they get bogged down by rain and camp at Galloway's Tavern for a couple of days. Uh, this is one I'm guessing was just sort of a log house. And this is where Washington sleeps in a bed with all of his aides on the floor around him. And then on July 22nd, they finally come out of the Clove's North End and camp at Smith's Tavern, uh, just 11 miles from the Hudson Highlands.
0: Where does Howe actually go, and how does Washington respond?
1: Well, so uh, Murphy's Law being what it is, it turns out that Howe is going the opposite direction, right? So uh, uh, he's headed to the Chesapeake. Washington still doesn't know that. Uh, what he first learns is that the early report was unreliable, and they still don't know where Howe is headed. So, so he has to hedge. He he turns west to Chester, New York. Uh, which is just a a, a little village. And from there, they can still rush east for about 20 miles to the Highlands, if that's where Howe ends up going. Um, Or if they need to, they can head south for 150 miles on different roads to defend Philadelphia. Uh, And when Washington finally receives good intelligence, he takes the Army on a forced march south through Philadelphia to Wilmington, Delaware, and eventually the Battle of Brandywine in in, uh, September.
0: What can we see today in the 21st century of the clove road that's left behind from the 18th?
1: Yeah, so so not much. Um a century ago there was evidently quite a bit to see. Uh there were entrenchments and uh, all or most of the seven seven taverns uh, that sat along the road. Um but today there's there's very little. Um uh, the uh, landscape has been altered and uh, just about uh, and just two of the uh, seven taverns are still standing and one of them just barely uh, the old road is now state highway 17 uh, that's a uh, new york state highway 17 which parallels interstate 87 i'm guessing dynamite took care of the narrow passes on the north and south ends of the clove but i don't i don't really know um, one of the taverns slopes Tavern, which I haven't mentioned yet, is, is in good shape. It's a private residence in the village of Slotsburg. Uh Another one, uh, Sidman's Tavern, is close by, and it's in a really bad situation. Uh, n- no one has lived in it for 20 years, and it looks like it's likely to face a bulldozer soon. Um, S- Sidman's is actually a very historic structure. Uh, it was built in the 1750s on the foundation of an even older tavern. Uh, so parts of it uh, are evidently more than 300 years old. According to the County Historical Society, a, a uh, string of uh, colonial and revolutionary era dignitary stayed in the tavern. Uh, this includes Lord Geoffrey Amherst, uh, the architect of Britain's victory in the French and Indian War, as well as General Charles Lee. General James Clinton, and his brother George, who was also a general, a governor, and vice president under two presidents, Jefferson and Madison. Uh, Just as important is the last preserved stretch of the Clove Road, uh, which runs by the tavern. Uh, And there's a colonial-era cemetery there that may contain Continental Army graves. The, uh, The town of Ramapo has approved the construction of a big apartment building on the site the developer agreed to give the house to the town but the town reportedly isn't prepared to preserve it and uh, meanwhile the the trees around the site have been cleared making it hard to distinguish between the dirt road and the ground around it The, um, the developer has agreed to preserve the cemetery and has promised to put up a historic marker but if that's all that survives, that would be a real shame.
0: In your opinion, why should this route be preserved?
1: Well, you know, there's an exchange in Washington's correspondence that illustrates why, this, um, why the Clove Road was a military, militarily important place and, well, consequently, a historically important place now. Um, I've got it here. In, in September 1778, a couple of months after Monmouth, General Woodford writes to Washington from the Highlands to share a report that uh, the British might be moving in on the clove. So Washington responds, and he's he's deadly serious. He writes, quote, I am in hopes there is no foundation for the report you mentioned of the enemies being at the clove. That pass is so exceedingly important that uh, they should never be suffered to possess it. And whatever position you take, Should be calculated to give it perfect security. So, uh, close quote. So, very important in the war, uh, pretty much throughout the war. As soon as the the British took New York, it was essential. Um, And, you know, with regard to preservation, rationally, it seems to me like we ought to preserve the things that are preservable. Um, You know, we can't turn Trenton and Brooklyn back into bucolic villages. Uh, the way they were back in the revolution. Uh, We can't turn every historic place into Williamsburg, Virginia, right? But uh, we can certainly preserve this house, the cemetery, and this stretch of dirt road. Uh, Now, admittedly, by by we, I'm talking about somebody else's money. Uh, That's always the real issue. Um, it, It seems to me that money is a, a measure of value, right? And we don't often appreciate the value of things until, we've, until we're about to lose them. And I think that's true for Sigmund's Tavern, uh, which, by the way, is better known today as the Smith House. Uh, Rockland County, uh, New York's Historical Society is taking up the cause. I'm hoping more locals will take up the cause and do something. Um, but, you know, why should it be preserved? Well, you know, because it can be, uh, because it's evidently the oldest building in the Ramapo Pass, uh, because it tells an important story that no other surviving property really can. Uh, it tells, uh, it's, it's not much of an overstatement to say that the Clove Road kept the colonies united after the British took New York. Uh, and, you know, the Continental Army guarded the pass for the rest of the war. Aaron Burr was posted there after the main army moved on. Uh, after Saratoga, General Burgoyne's captured army was paraded through the Clove on their way to Virginia, where they were held. Um, and I've been told that the, uh, the big iron chain that was stretched across the Hudson in 1778 was transported uh, to West Point on the Clove Road. And uh, the pass was used by part of the Continental Army when it headed to Yorktown in 1781. So, you know, that's a lot of really important history. And if uh, Sidman's Tavern and the, is torn down and the road is obliterated, there, there really won't be anything left to tell the story
0: other than, other than words. Gabe Neville? Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Brady. Really appreciate it. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long.